I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm going no farther with that. I've gone far enough. I've gone far enough. Next question. Dizwins Radio, episode 1129. Starts in three, two. Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Well then, here we are back for another round of listener question and answer. You ask, I answer. Maybe the answers are useful, helpful, beneficial. Maybe the answers are nonsense. One way or the other, you get what you pay for around here. And if you're new to these parts, this is something that we do each and every month. The last Friday of every month is dedicated to your questions, my answers, hopefully a little bit of useful advice, certainly a little bit of tomfoolery. But uh, we'll get to the questions in just a minute. Uh, today's episode doesn't, as as per usual, these don't really have a sponsor per se. It's more of a, a reminder or a plug, I guess, for the Facebook group. We do have a Facebook group, and I know we all need an extra Facebook group, like we need an extra hole in our head. But if you uh, are are a, a, a user of the Book of Faces and you would like to uh, to join our little corner of Zuck's Paradise, we would love to have you. I like to think we've got a good thing going over there. The the loose goal is to uh, have the best running group on Facebook. And I'm not going to say we've got it, but we're not far off. Uh, lots of lots of nonsense, lots of memes, lots of gifs, lots of, of joking around, and, and lots of good support as well. And uh, that's where the questions typically come from. You uh, you know kind of see the, the, the post come out, and somewhere in the middle of the month, I put a post out that says, what are your questions for this month? You respond in kind. Bada boom, bada bam, we have a Q&A episode. So if you want to join the, the party, disruns.com slash Facebook is the link that'll take you right there. Of course, if you're on the Facebooks, you can just search for the Disruns tribe, ask to join, we'll let you in. And uh, if you prove yourself to be a douche, hey, that's cool, you do you, but we're going to show you on, on right back out. If you prove yourself to, you know, be a normal, functioning, good-natured, supportive human being, which I'm going to assume is probably the case, uh, then we'll, we'll, you know... We'll let you stay. You can hang out for as long as you want. Hopefully, you'll be here for a while and uh, maybe get some questions in next month. If you're not a Facebook user like my man, Gary Joe, hey, no problem. Feel free to shoot me a message with uh, with your questions. If you'd like a question, you can shoot an email. You can shoot a DM, whatever works for you. I will say that sometimes those do get lost in the shuffle. I do my best to not lose them in the shuffle, but stranger things have happened. But one way or the other, if you have questions for future months, Good Lord willing, I'm not going anywhere, which means we will keep doing these monthly Q&A episodes uh, from now to uh, to whenever we don't anymore, which I don't think is anytime soon. So get your questions answered. Get your questions asked. Also answered. Questionable on the validity of the answer. Um, but uh, we'll do this again next month. Uh, I think. I think. That is the plan, at least. Anyway, enough of that nonsense. Let's get let's get to it, shall we? We got a, we got a decent chunk of questions uh, this month, as is often the case. So uh, let's kick, get it get it started. Kick this party off. Kick it off. Eh, whatever. Well, let's get the party started with a question from Santina. Uh, Santina asks, can a Peloton workout such as Hills count as a strength workout? 
yes-ish, I, I think, is uh, the proper answer here. So uh, I'm assuming you're talking about like a, like a hill workout on the bike, Santino, where you're cranking up the resistance a little bit, like a good resistance ride. Um, and, and, you know, it, this is kind of one of those, like, if not doing any strength training at all is like zero and, you know, just doing like maxed out full heavy, you know, bodybuilder strength is like 10. Where does, where does a hill workout count as, as, you know, like a hill ride on a bike? Um, or, you know, you could count this as a row, any type of, of kind of resisted cardio, uh, where does where does that fit on the strength training scale? I mean, it's on there. You know, it's not outside the bounds. Um, I don't know where I'd count it. Two, three, something like that. Is it better than nothing? Absolutely. Is it maybe a good supplement? Maybe maybe if you really don't like strength training and you're like I I you know I, I maybe I feel like I should maybe I'm telling you right now you should probably you know try if you can get two or three strength training workouts that'd be great and you're like yeah I don't want to do two or three strength training workouts per week. Can I make one of them uh, a hill ride? Like, okay, you know, you're still working your, your legs pretty well, right? Um, but as I've maybe said once or twice, and as I will more than likely continue to repeat various places, you know, strength training isn't just about running strength. Of course, that's a big piece of it. Uh, but we want to be fully functional, healthy, well-balanced human beings, right? Like functional athletes and, and humans in life. So you can, you know, pick up the dog or pick up the kids or pick up the, the bag of dog food or the groceries or whatever, and, and not hurt yourself, or at least have a lower risk of hurting yourself. Right. So, you know, the Peloton doesn't really tick the upper body box. Um, doesn't really tick the core box. Um, does it tick the leg box? I mean, sure ish, you know, is it, is it the same as doing some type of, of weighted resistance training? I mean, probably not. Is it better? I mean, maybe, you know, again, like I, I feel like, and and I feel like the ultimate answer is: Can it count as a strength workout? Absolutely. Is it ideal that a Peloton hill ride would be your only strength that you just like? That's your strength workout every week. I would say that's probably not ideal. So mix it and match it. You know, if you're really not feeling a, a day with the weights or or a way with you know just body weight type of activity, things like that. Um, but you want to, you know, you're, you're up for, for getting on the bike and grinding for 30 or 40 minutes. Like, yeah, that absolutely, you know, can tick the box, keep it moving forward. But there are definitely benefits of, you know, squats and lunges and planks and pushups and pull-ups and deadlifts and like, like getting in, whether it's in the gym, whether it's a home gym, just body weight, quote unquote, just body weight. Um, there's definitely other benefits of, of maybe having a more balanced or more well-rounded strength training routine than just letting a Peloton ride tick the box. So hopefully that doesn't uh, upset you too much, Santina. Mix it in. Certainly it counts. Uh, great supplement. Great, great you know way to mix it up once in a while. But you know, just like a lot of things in life, a, a well balanced diet is uh, you know more than just one thing. No matter how great that one thing is. So mix and match some other things in there to make sure your strength training diet is well rounded. But thanks for the question, lady. Uh, stay warm up there in uh, New England this time of year. Next question from from Natasha. Uh, first question, I've recently gotten into trail running and have been doing my long runs out in the woods. However, I'm running a marathon in March and have heard that it's important to run on similar terrain. A part of me thinks that the incline of the hills and the trails will make, uh, will make me a stronger runner on a relatively flat road course, but I also can see how it's different muscles and whatnot. All this info to ask, how important is it for me to run my long runs on road? If it's a road marathon versus doing the trails. So, um, 
I totally get what you're saying with your question, Natasha. And, I, and, and there is some logic to, you know, what you've heard about training on similar terrain. Uh, that said, you know, I, I don't think it has to be an all or nothing scenario necessarily, especially if you're really enjoying a long run out in the woods, cruising nature, not having to worry about cars and traffic and like, that's awesome. And if you enjoy that, do that. What I would say, and, and I don't, you know, I mean, yes, sure. Maybe there's something to be said about running on the flats versus running in the hills and training for like, whatever. Is there a benefit there? Sure. Probably. Is it, is it marginal at best? Yes. Um, because yeah, getting the the different terrains and and the ups and the downs and things like that is definitely going to make you stronger on a relatively flat course. Um, but I think, I think the thing that maybe is, is the reason that I would nudge you to maybe once a week doesn't necessarily have to be your long run, but, and, and if you're doing most of your week, midweek runs on the roads, which maybe that's part of this, you know, and, and you're just doing your long runs on the trails, then maybe this is even less important. Um, but what you don't want to do or what, what you could potentially get yourself in trouble with if you do all your training on the trails and then do your race on the road is that the, the force, the impact force of the road is, is certainly going to be more than it is on the trail, right? And if your body isn't acclimated to that, used to that, you could be setting yourself up, or at least certainly would be probably increasing your risk of various impact related injuries, whether it's, it's just, you know, wear and tear and just feeling more sore after the race up to potentially a, an increased risk of a stress fracture. And I don't want it to, to sound like all, all like, you know, warning bells and like, Oh my God, I'm going to get a stress. Like, no, I'm not saying that, but is your risk higher if you're running on the predominantly softer ground and then you transition to 26.2 miles on the hard. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be more force there that said. So again, if you're, if you're most of your miles during the week, if you're getting your four fives and sixes and things like that, uh, during the week on the roads, then, then th- that risk of transitioning from the long runs on the trails to race day on the roads is diminished, still probably uh, mildly higher, but not as dramatic. Um, but let's just, let's just say, you know, you go, um, you know, one, one long run per month, um, on the roads, just, just to kind of give your body a little bit of, of acclimation period to that pounding. You know, so as this comes out, I don't know when your when your race is in March, but you might be already in a taper mode, in which case, you know, kind of is is a, a, at a wash. But if you've still got, you know, if, if your race isn't until the end of the month, and you know, you still got three or four good long runs left in the mix, or at least three or four weekends, maybe one or two good long runs, get one of them on the roads, one of them on the trails, uh, and then you'll be into taper time, and you'll probably be just fine. And odds are, anyway, probably you'll be just fine. But getting a little bit of that acclimation on the roads just to, to give your body kind of a, a taste of, you know, 18 miles or, or 16 miles or 20 miles of, of pounding taste so that on race day, 26.2, um, hopefully it won't be that big of a shock. You'll probably still find you're more sore after the race than you did after your training runs anyway, but that's par for the course of race day. You know, so that's, that's not unheard of anyway. So I, I don't think, again, I, I don't think you absolutely ha- like it's, it's not imperative to do your long runs exclusively on the road. You can mix and match it a little bit, but I do think there's a benefit to, to at least, you know, at least mixing and matching and not going just trails to the road on race day. Uh, but if you like the trails, man, embrace the trails, embrace the trails for sure. Um, just get a little bit of that pounding every once in a while. Second question from Natasha. What's your favorite distance to race and why? Ha ha ha. Clever, clever. I see what you did there. 
It's all good. It's all good. Well, I'll play your game. Um, I, I, I struggle with this question. You know, I, I'm that guy that, that when I, when I ask the question, I'm like, you know, sometimes it's an easy one to, uh, to ask. It, it's always an easy one to ask. Sometimes it's an easy one to answer. Sometimes not so much. Cause there's so many great options out there. Like, like I really like all distances, like at least 10 K probably 10 miles and, and longer. Um, I mean, I guess if I could only choose one, it would probably be the marathon. I feel like that's, that's still one that, that, Obviously, I have goals to continue with the marathon. Um, I feel like I haven't reached, I, I, I haven't figured out the marathon yet. Maybe I'm getting close. Uh, I don't want to get too cocky, but I feel like I've kind of figured out a little bit closer on how to race it. But like, I'm comfortable racing a half marathon and shorter. Like, like just like I, I trust that if I go out there and hammer, like that my body is going to respond. I'm not quite there yet for the marathon. Um, probably because the distance is longer. Obviously, I mean, there's there's that part of it. Uh, but I feel like there's there's still untapped potential in the marathon. Certainly in the longer distances too, but like I like running the longer races for fun. And, and so, yes, I mean, there's still technically races if I'm doing a 50 K or things like that. Uh, but I don't really race those any, like I'm just out cruising, having a good time, you know, not really stressed about the time, which, which I, again, technically it's still a race, but to me, it's kind of not really a race. Um, it's, it's a different mindset, but like you put me on the road for 26.2 and like, yeah, it's probably going to be a race. So that, and, and, and in terms of like trying to hit time goals and things like that. So I think the marathon is still my favorite distance to race. I don't think it's my best distance. Um, maybe one day it will be, hopefully one day it will be, um, hopefully one of these days I'll, I'll run, uh, another marathon. Uh, cause I'm, I, it's been, a, it's been a minute. I haven't run a marathon since January, 2020. And that was, you know, part of goofy. So I, that, that wasn't even a race per se. Um, so I guess maybe I'm due. Maybe maybe this year. I think this year we got to make it happen. We got to make it happen. But that's my favorite distance to race, and uh, the reason why is just because I'm still trying to figure it out, but still feel like there's a lot of room to get better. However, I wanted to find better, which for me, it's it's a combination of strategic racing and you know finish time because that's a, that is a factor for me or something that I'm concerned with. So thanks for the questions, Natasha, and good luck on your race, uh, your upcoming marathon. Next question from Anita. I'll be in Augusta in June for a work conference. Are there any good trails or good running spots that you found? They don't have to specifically be in Augusta, just maybe in that area since I'm not at all familiar with that part of the state. Thanks. Anita, yes, there's there's places to run. I mean, I am I, I might be a local now. I will not claim to have figured out all of the places to run just yet, but there's a few. Um, but I think the better question would be, are, are we going to have a cup of coffee when you're in Augusta in June? Like, I feel like, I feel like, I, I feel like that doesn't have to be on your agenda, but I feel like it, like I'm down. If you're down, you know, we, we can maybe, maybe go for a run and have some coffee afterwards or just have some coffee or just have some run, whatever. If, if it wouldn't be too creepy for you to meet up with some random dude from the internet, I'm down to meet up, you know, like just throwing that out there, just putting that out there. Anyway, places to run in, in Augusta. I mean, I, I think that the, the canal is, is definitely uh, great. There's, there's a, uh, there's actually, you could run all the way from Evans, which is where I live to Augusta, which isn't like all the way. It's like eight miles or something like that. Um, but there's a nice, there's a nice path, uh, part of it kind of paved and well-maintained part of it. Uh, it's still well-maintained, but more of like uh, kind of dirt road, two track type of thing. Uh, but you can, you can run all the way from, from, you know, Augusta, you know, as far as you want, obviously, like I said, it's about seven, eight miles one way. Uh, so you can get a good solid 15, 16 in there. You can get, you know, four, um, but there's different parking places at both ends of the trail to do that. 
Um, if you cross the bridge into South Carolina, there's a nice kind of paved greenway trail uh, just over the bridge in what's technically North Augusta. Um, but depending on where you're staying, like it might be a five-minute walk. Uh, you wouldn't even need to drive. So you got that option. Um, and those are kind of the two Augusta, Augusta E areas. I mean, I, I ran a lot when we were, you know, kind of between when we were living out of the Airbnb, uh, I ran in, in kind of downtown Augusta. Um, I mean, every day and, and so did Rebecca as, as well. Um, and, and, you know, I don't think it was, I, I never, I mean, uh, you know, dude bias here for whatever, you know, I'm sure that's worth something, but like, I was never really worried. Like, like there were, there were a few spots where there was, I don't want to say that it was sketchy, but like, you know, like maybe, but like people, everybody that was out, the homeless folks, things like that it was, it was super kind they wave, say hi, good morning, whatever. Um, never felt sketched out at all, you know? Whether, whether or not that's something that you're up for, I mean, that's, that's up to you. But I felt like like pretty runner-friendly downtown area, um, lots of sidewalks, things like that. Um, so so that's, that's an option if you just want to get a couple miles here and there. But again, I mean, depending on where you're staying, you can get to that, that Greenway in South Carolina real easy. North Augusta, um, run there. Um, again, the, the Augusta Canal Trail is, is pretty easily accessible for, it, it runs, you can get on it from downtown and take it all the way up. And then, then you'd extend your mileage out a little bit if you wanted to take it that far. Um, and again, if you wanted to hop in the car, like, and head to, head to Evans, there's a few places here. Um, but, but yeah, you know, if you're looking for a couple of good spots, I think, I think the Augusta Canal is like perfect, like perfect, lots of bathrooms, which is always, you know, usually a, a useful thing, um, starts from downtown. So you probably wouldn't have to drive anywhere. Real safe. Lots of people out there, uh, especially on like a Saturday morning. Uh, plenty of plenty of people to keep you company and just to, to feel like you're not ever alone. Um, so that would be probably my number one recommendation. But the offer of uh, a running partner, a running Sherpa, it's there. Just let me know. And uh, if, if we can make it happen, I would love to make it happen. But thanks for the question, Anita. Uh, next, from Thessaly. What races are you looking forward to this year, either for yourself or for someone you coach? So uh, as of right now, not probably not surprisingly to you, Thessaly, or anybody that's been listening for a while, my race calendar is still blank. Um, potentially kicking around a couple of options for maybe this this something this fall. Um, you know, I, I think I mentioned last year I was kicking around this idea of maybe going to Vermont to to run a, a a fall break race. Clearly, that got thrown around and, and adjusted and altered and, and backburnered when we moved because that was pre pre move. We were maybe going to try to do that, uh, but maybe this year it'll happen. Hopefully, this year it'll happen. Um, kicking around a cu- another couple of ideas. Um, and, and when I say kicking around, like I've got it in the back of my brain. Like I haven't even talked to Rebecca about it yet. So you know, very 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 much empty race calendar. So nothing that I'm really looking forward to yet because there's nothing even remotely official. Uh, but for folks I'm coaching, you know, a couple, I got, we got, we got three people, three of the Diz runners doing Boston this year. So of course, looking forward to that and, and how their experiences go. Um, one, it'll be a repeat, two of them will be their first time. So that's exciting. Um, you know, and, and I mean, like, like I'm always, always, and, and, and that just stands out because it's Boston, but, uh, so many people racing, you know, that, that, that have things on the, on the agenda, whether it's short-term agenda, whether it's long-term agenda, uh, always looking forward to, to their races, um, in hopes that they go well, which obviously doesn't always happen, but in hopes that they go well, because, you know, they're putting in the work and it's, it's nice to see it pay off. And, and for us as runners, a lot of times, the payoff is, you know, how does the race go? You know, do I, do I hit the mark? Do I get the PRs? Things like that. Um, so always looking forward to, to, to race day for the folks that I work with. Um, 
But having a few people this year running Chicago, yeah, I mean, like that's that's on the list. I'm sorry, Chicago running Boston this year. Do you have a couple running Chicago too? So we'll have that we'll have that on the mixer as well. But because Boston, you know, not not surprisingly with Boston being a, a big goal race of mine, uh, anytime I have folks running that race, I'm always that's always that always gets me going a little bit more. So there you go. Nothing for me yet. Boston for sure. But you know, everybody that's not running Boston, I'm excited for their races as well. Um, you know, because that's that's. That's how I roll. That's what a good coach does, right? Like, I'm not just like, ah, you're, you're only running this race. We don't care. But no, no, no. We care about every race. We care about every race. So, uh, I think hopefully I didn't dig myself in too much of a hole there, Thessaly. Thanks for that tripwire question. Uh, question two from Thessaly. How long do you give yourself to celebrate a race finish before mentally moving to your next goal or race? Um, this is a tough one for me for, for multiple reasons. One, because I don't race that often. Um, and I also don't put that much pressure. Like I have goals for races typically. Right. Um, and I mean the last, the, I guess I ran a race in the fall, um, uh, you know, around Thanksgiving time, ran the, the Palmetto peach, uh, you know, it runs a little bit, mostly in South Carolina, a little bit in Georgia, you know, two States, one day type of situation, uh, half marathon. And like, I had goals for it, but like, they weren't like long thought out goals. I mean, I signed up for the race like a month before it happened. So it wasn't like I had like this massive, like I want a PR, which wasn't going to happen because of the Hills. Um, but like, you know, I, and, and I, I hit the mark. Like I had a good, I had a good day, had a good race. Um, but like there was, I, I didn't really celebrate it because like, you know, if I didn't hit the mark, it still would have been fine. Like it still would have been a, a fine day. Um, so I guess, I guess for me, this is a, it's a tricky question. Because for me, races are just, you know, they're data points. They're, they're another step in the, in the, in the process, right? They're, they're part of the process. Another step in, in hopefully the direction of, you know, qualifying for Boston, but ultimately continuing to run until, you know, as I've said before, until they put me in the ground, right? Like, like, like that's the ultimate goal that I want to be successful with as far as running. Um, so, you know, a, a race goes well, you know, yeah, that's exciting. You know, maybe we'll have a... A, a, a drink or two afterwards or, or something like that to, to celebrate, take some photos, wear the, wear the medal around. Um, but I mean, and, and I don't say this dismissively, like, I mean, I move on pretty quick, you know, and if a race goes poorly, move on pretty quick. Um, I'm, I'm very much that guy that doesn't get too high or too low in most instances. Um, and, and race finishes for me are, is definitely one of those areas where whether it goes great, whether it goes really sideways, like eh, is what it is, you know, learn from it. Build, build upon it one day to point and move forward. So there's not a whole lot of celebrating either way for me. Um, which sorry, sorry to bring that down, but you know, I, I, I move on, move on. That's kind of just how I do. Um, so I don't, I don't give myself much time to celebrate, but it's not because it's just kind of how I am. I don't really celebrate too much very often. So, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that's the answer you're looking for at but that's the answer I got for you. So thank you for the questions, milady, as always. Next from Rob. Got a, got a couple questions here. A few questions from Rob. Is there an event distance or scenario where a 10 day or 14 day training block, as opposed to the standard seven day week would be beneficial? Um, for me, Rob, the, the, that isn't necessarily race specific or challenge specific or, or distance specific where that makes more sense. Like that would make more sense to me from a life perspective. So, um, you know, it, for, for a lot of, a lot of us, it just kind of makes, it makes sense to keep it at seven, at the seven day rotation, because you know, the weekends are always typically always the weekends, a good time to get a long run in or, or whenever your long run schedule is, you know, 
if you have your weekend, if your weekend is a Monday and Tuesday, well, then you do your like whatever. Like that just kind of tends to make sense. Um, but it, depending on your situation, depending on kind of work shifts and life shifts and things like that, if it if if you if you're not going to be in a situation where every Saturday or every Tuesday or whatever is always going to be your long day or it's always your day off or whatever, then yeah, I mean, absolutely, it would make sense to 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 put it into some type of scenario that that maybe is a little bit more repeatable, a little bit more feasible for you. With the caveat that there's no reason that you have to. It's just for me, being a routine guy, I want a routine, right? But, you know, if, if you were in, you know, just thinking off the top of my head, I, I feel like I know, or I, at least I've heard, um, had friends in the past that, that you know, work in, um, like, the fire department, firefighters. And so they might work, you know, a 24-hour shift, and then they're off for two days. And then a 24-hour shift, and then they're off for three days. And then a 20, like, and however it works out, but, like, their schedule is not a standard Monday through Friday. And it's not even a standard, like every Monday, every Wednesday, every, like it's, it rotates every, you know, nine days or 12 days. It repeats the cycle. So in that type of situation, to me, it would only be logical to go to some type of 10 day or 12 day or nine day schedule. But that's just how my mind works and how my, my bias for routine works. Um, but I don't think that there's a massive difference for most of us if we're training for, a marathon or a, an ultra or a 5k or anything like that to where, Oh, well, if you're, if you're training for a 5k, seven days is plenty, but if you're training for a marathon or if you're training for a hundred miler, then you want to go to 10. Like, no, I, I think it's just, that's what works best. The, I think the schedule that works best for the individual is a schedule that makes the most sense for the training. So don't overthink it. I, I know sometimes the, the elites might do it that way, but they're, they're the elites that running is their job. Um, and that way they get, get a couple extra workouts in pretty long. That's fine. Uh, but I think in the real world that most of us live in, whatever kind of routine or, or rotation fits the best for your life, whether that's seven days, 12 days, 18 days, whatever, that's the, the best schedule to go with. Uh, next question from Rob. Is there a benefit to recover from soreness naturally without Motrin or ibuprofen, et cetera? Is there a time frame or training situation where either would be prioritized? Um, I am I'm pretty firm in the camp that if you can, that, that the, the ideal is to do it without, um, any type of drug interaction. Not that I never take drugs because I do, but uh, the ideal is that you want to be able to listen to your body. Right. And if you, and if you're really sore and achy and creaky and like your body's not having it, then masking that, that that's a signal. That's your body trying to communicate with you that something's not right. Maybe it's just a matter of, I need a little bit of extra rest or I need, you know, a little bit of, of foam rolling or I need a cross training day or whatever it might be, you know, depends on the signal, but like, that's your body trying to communicate with you. And, you know, you start taking the drugs to, to cover some of that up and potentially in a lot of cases, probably, um, it's not actually resolving the problem. It's just putting a mask on it. It's just putting a, a, a bandaid on it at best potentially it's just, it's just blotting it out so that you don't, you don't get those pain signals. And so, you know, you do that and then you go run on top of it and potentially again, not kind of like with, um, Natasha's question about the increased risk of, you know, trails versus roads. Like not saying this is guaranteed to happen, but you run the a higher risk of, well, I feel good. So I'm going to go run, but it's not that you, it's not that your body's feeling good. It's just that the signals are, are getting disrupted right? That, that you mask the signal that would be a pain signal, but like, Oh, I don't feel it now. So I'm going to go run. And potentially that sets you up for, for turning a, a molehill into a mountain, right? Like you got this little soreness, something's a little bit off, maybe a day off will solve it. Well, 
because you, you mask it with the drugs. Now you go run, you make it worse to the point where now your body's got to scream at you to where the drugs don't impact it anymore. But you made this problem from a, you know, a two out of 10 to an eight out of 10 potentially. Um, so, so I think that, I mean, again, for the elites, maybe where like literally they're trying to make sure that they can put food on the table and a roof over their head based on their race results and having to train and things like that. Um, but for you, I, and most everybody listening, Rob, like, I think that the, that in just about every scenario, the better bet is to listen to your body and to, to do so as clearly as possible, which means trying to avoid the drugs, um, more often than not, more often than not. So, um, I can't really think of any situations where I prioritize it again. Do I take some, some medication on occasion? Sure. But usually in, usually in my case, I'm not doing that while also still maintaining my net normal running stri- running schedule. Like maybe I do that if I'm, if I'm cutting back a little bit to try to alleviate whatever aches and pains I might have. But I couldn't tell, I think the, I couldn't tell you the last time I had any drugs. I mean, probably it was when my foot was all gangled up a year ago. Um, and I wasn't running then. So I was trying to, to, to get ahead of the, the cycle, the pain cycle. And I wasn't trying to push anything. Um, but I don't think it really taken any, any, anything other than maybe like cold medicine, but like nothing for a, a, a any type of injury or, or soreness since then. I just, you know, if my legs are heavy and sore. Like we just don't run as much and, and let them recover. Um, but yeah, hopefully that made sense. Final question from Rob. Lastly, I'm a low carb heart rate runner. I run fasted. My longest run has been 41 miles on electrolyte, salt tabs, and water. I felt fine afterwards and during. I plan on going farther than that soon. At some point, probably even doing a hundred miler. How would you suggest I test the water on what I can tolerate from a fuel perspective? I do three to five hour runs regularly with no fueling and afterwards just want some black coffee. Thanks. Rob, you're a man after my own heart because that is that is my... That is my scenario. Maybe not up to 41 miles fasted, um, but certainly, you know, three hours plus no fuel, just some water, coffee afterwards. Good to go. Um, which, which I think, you know, there's so many, and I don't know what I, what I clicked. I clicked something somewhere and I get all these, you know, targets by the algorithm on Instagram about all these, you know, fuel every this often and that often and this and that and the other, and, and don't ever run fasted and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, come on y'all. Like, Maybe that's clearly that's what works best for a lot of people, right? They're not fat adapted, maybe running too hard. So you're burning too, you know, like whatever, all those things like, and to be, to be clear, just so we're all on the same page, you know, you can still be doing heart rate training and still benefit from fueling during, like, like I'm not saying that you can't, um, and, and on race day, I absolutely fuel. I haven't tried to make a, a secret about that. Um, I view it as, as, you know, I, I could do it without. And I typically train without, but on race day, a couple hits of tailwind, you know, maybe a few potato chips, uh, an orange wedge, like that's just fuel to the fire. That's just lighter fluid, lighter fluid on the fire and boom, we're good to go. Don't need it, but don't mind it, you know? And so I feel like, like for you, Rob, maybe that's, that's the, um, the point to go down in terms of, of testing the waters and seeing what you can tolerate is start with, with the most basic of basic fuels, start with something liquid you know, whether it's a Gatorade, a tailwind, you know, whatever, something like that, but not just an electrolyte or, you know, something that's, that's very few calories, like a noon that that's basically carb free. It just has the electrolytes and things like that. But like something that's got a little, a little pep to it, you know, maybe it's a Coke. I mean, you could, you could make the, a strong argument. 
I mean, the Coke doesn't have the electrolytes, but outside of that, like just as good, you know, love me, a, love me a ginger ale during an ultra. Whew, that's good stuff right there. Um, but, but, you know, try something that's got a little bit of liquid calories to it. Um, nothing much, but, you know, try it and see, you know, in some of these longer runs. And what you might find is that it, not that it, not that you need it, but that it just gives you a nice little boost. Um, because, because ultimately like that's, that's, I think in these longer races, especially start talking about hundred milers, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like the, the, the small twigs that help keep the campfire burning strong, right? Like, like you've got these big, um, you know, big logs on the fire, which, which for, you know, it, the, the metaphor that we're going for here is like, that's your body fat, right? Like that's, that's the big log. It can burn forever. And it sounds like you're very well adapted to, to low carb using body fat for fuel, keeping your heart rate in check, which allows, makes it much easier for your body to do so. I mean, you run for days on with no fuel. If you're, if you're using body fat, well, right. Like, like that's just, that's fairly well accepted, um, physiological truths. Okay. Um, but if you mix in some, 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 you know, carbs in there, some simple carbs, um, it's just like adding a couple, couple twigs onto the campfire to help keep the big logs burning. Um, because, because especially on race day, you know, even though your heart rate may not get real high, like you're still gonna be burning some carbs. Like that's still, that's still part of the, the process. It's not a hundred percent fat, hundred percent carbs. Just your ratio is way less of carb burning or glucose burning than most people. Um, so if you add a little bit, a little supplement here and there, um, but again, start with the, with the basics, see how that, that, see how your body responds, how you feel, how your stomach responds. Uh, no reason that I can see to jump right into like goos and gels and, and heavier stuff. Like start with, you know, again, a shot of Coke or a little bit of, of Gatorade or whatever. Um, test it out, see how you feel, um, play with the, the durations. Um, but definitely, you know, for a hundred miler, like, like I think you, I, I am confident in saying from what you said in this, in this question, Rob, that you could run a hundred miles completely fast with just water, salt, electrolytes, et cetera. Um, but I believe that you would feel better and perform better, especially in the later stages of the race. If you do take in minimal, but some fuels, right. And, and potentially even more than you might think, you know, minimal is a sliding scale, but like some liquid calories, you know, maybe, uh, you know, some type of cookie or some candies or things like that. Just, just, to to give yourself your body that little extra jolt that it doesn't need, but sure. doesn't mind having a little extra, you know, lighter fuel, lighter fluid poured on the fire, if you will. So hope all that made sense, but yeah, definitely play with it. Try some different things. Um, but I think it's safe to say that you don't need to feel like you need to follow some of those nutrition guidelines that are out there of fueling every 45 minutes. Like you're good. You're good on that front, my friend. Um, which why I love being fat adapted myself takes a whole lot of the, uh, the potential for GI issues, especially in those longer races. Um, maybe doesn't remove it completely, but it certainly minimizes the likelihood that that's going to happen. So I think, I think you're in a good spot to go for a hundo, um, whenever, whenever the timing in life is right to do so. But thanks for the questions, Rob. Always appreciate you. Next from Dylan, kind of the, the complete opposite end of the spectrum is Rob's last question. Any nutrition tips for a good carb load? I'm always afraid I'll upset my stomach if I eat way too much, but I know I need to get as much fuel into me as possible. And even if I don't have a race coming up, is there a good way for me to get as many calories as possible without eating myself sick? So, um, Dylan, I, I am not a carb load kind of guy, but that's all right. We'll, we'll still try to give you a little bit of, of advice here. Um, and I think, I think that, you know, if we're talking about like a carb load the night before, 
um, it's, it's, that's, I don't want to say that's trickier, but maybe that's trickier because yeah, then you've got the, the plenty of time for it to digest and kind of clear your stomach. But that also means that there might be more of an issue, you know, once you get up and get moving since the stomach has been cleared. Um, but I, I think I, you know, I hate to, to kind of be this way, but like trial and error has got to be your best bet. Um, you know, some, some people can have a little bit heavier meal the night before and be fine. Some people, it's like, if I have anything more than white rice and, and simple, simple carbs, like I'm going to be a disaster the next morning. Um, so kind of, you know, you know, your stomach better than anybody else. You know, your body better than anybody else go with, with kind of playing with what you've used before that said, you know, trying to get as many calories in as possible. Um, you know, it's, it's, to me, the, the obvious answer to me, the answer is somewhat obvious and it's, it's going as nutrient or as calorie dense as possible. And I feel like I remember somewhere, Dylan, whether it was when we, when we chatted on the podcast or something on social media that you're vegetarian, vegan, something, something along those lines, not, not going with animal products. Um, and if I'm mistaken, you know, then, then maybe it is having some, some of the, you know, higher dense calorie dense proteins, um, fats, butters, things like that. But obviously there's, there's the plant-based alternatives of, you know, avocados and nut butters and, and nuts and seeds. And some of those are very calorie dense things, um, that, that can give you the fuel, um, but not make you feel like you're running on full, you know, like if you're having some lower dense in terms of calorie density types of foods. So again, you got to play with it though. You got to kind of figure out, um, what's the right mix. What, what makes me feel not hungry, but also, you know, not, not like I'm running out of gas along the way. Um, and, and let's see, what was the other thing I was going to say? So one other thing I was going to say, uh, blah, 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 blah. oh, and then when it comes to the carb loading, again, going back to, to, to the first part of your question, remember that, you know, to, you can only carb load to a certain point, right? So whether it's a race or you're just gearing up for your big run over the weekend, um, like you can't, your, your, your body can only hold so much glucose and then the rest of it is stored as body fat. And that's just, again, that's just physiology. Um, but if, if you're not, you know, like, like I can think that the loose, I can't remember what it, what it is as far as how many grams of carbs you can, you can kind of store in your muscles. Um, and we're probably not going to be that exact anyway. Um, but I guess, I guess the, the moral there is don't feel like you need to eat a bajillion carbs at night before you run, because you're only going to store a percentage of those. So again, you got to play with the amounts and play with how you're, how you're feeling and, and kind of maybe keep a little bit of a, of a food diary or a food journal for a few weeks. Um, of, of playing with some different things, different types of foods, different amounts, different quantities, different, you know, complex carbs versus, uh, you know, more simple carbs and just see how you feel both the next morning in terms of your run, but also GI wise, how did things go there? Uh, and kind of dial in what the right mix is for you. Um, but nutrition tips across the board, like it's, it's so, it's so get your, get your drinks ready. Y'all. It's so it depends that it's hard to get too dialed in, but if you're worried about number of calories, calorie dense as much as possible. And that's, you know, things that are fattier. So nuts, seeds, avocados, things like that. Hope all that helps Dylan and uh, good luck with, with getting things sorted on the nutrition front. Cause it is, it is a little bit difficult and can be a, a messy situation trying to figure out what is right for you. Uh, but thanks for the questions, my friend. Uh, next from candy. First question, my toes are hurting on long runs. Why? No matter which running shoes I wear, my toes are hurting. Um, 
I'm not sure, Candy, but I, I feel like my gut is telling me that it's still a shoe issue, even though you're, you're telling me that you tried different shoes. And my, and my question is, or my, my assumption maybe, is that you might need to just get a bigger pair of shoes. Like if you, if you have you know three different pairs of shoes, but they're all a size seven or whatever size that you wear, um, that might just not be big enough. Like your, your feet can, can grow a little bit or if you're, um, or you know, the shoes could be a little bit small. Sometimes, oftentimes our, sho- our, our feet swell during a run. So you might wear a size seven or again, you know, whatever size it is, but you might wear a size seven and walking around, no factor, no problem anytime, but you start running and you get into a certain, you know, longer distance, long run type of scenario, your feet swell a little bit, and maybe you need a little bit more breathing room. And I've heard people go up. I think I've heard a few people go up a size and a half, even a lot of people, you know, a half a size is plenty. Maybe it's a full size, but I would, I would investigate getting a slightly bigger shoe whenever the next time is that you're in the market for new shoes, uh, maybe go get your foot measured. You know, maybe like me, I haven't had my foot measured in year decades, you know, like ever since I've been a nine and a half, I've been a nine and a half, but you know, maybe it's, maybe it's worth going into the shoe store, putting your foot on the little device thing gimmick and seeing what size is. And you might be surprised at like, well, shit, I've been, I've been wearing a size seven for the last 20 years. And like, I need a, I need at least a seven and a half and see if that doesn't, you know, solve the help to resolve the, the issue with your toes for you. Cause that's like, that's, I don't want to say that's the only thing it can be, but gosh, that's, that's the majority of the time. If your toes are bothering you, it's a, it's a, it's a rub issue, which means it's a shoe or sock scenario. So, um, see if maybe a little bit bigger shoe doesn't help. Hopefully it does. Uh, second question. My legs are feeling so heavy, even on mile one. Why it's never happened to before. Probably it's just a fatigue issue. Um, at least again, that's my, my first assumption. So whether it's, it's, you're running more than you have before, you know, so if you're running higher mileage or doing more strength training or cross training or things like that, there's just more fatigue. And so if you're not supplementing that by also increasing some of the recovery work, whether that's stretching and foam rolling, sleeping, rest days, things like that, um, it could just be, be just catching up to you. So they're, they're always heavy and, and dead and not a whole lot of life in them. See if maybe it, maybe it's time for a cutback week. If you haven't done one of those in a while, just take a week where, you know, if you're normally running 25 miles a week, you run like 15, you know, take one day out during the week, cut your long run down by 25, 30%, something like that. And see if that doesn't breathe some life back into your legs, but maybe just to get a little extra sleep, take an extra day or two off and, and see if that doesn't breathe some life back into you. But, but you know, at least there's a high potential that it's just accumulated fatigue. And especially, I don't, I don't. I don't know if we've ever talked about what you do as a, a, you know, for your, for your real life, for your, for your job scenario. But if you're on your feet a lot at work, um, that's, that's one of those things that's real easy to overlook the impact of, you know, being on your feet, moving around, walking around, carrying things, whatever, whatever type of, of work that you do. Um, but that's like, you know, not unheard of for people to get, you know, four or five, eight, 10, 12 miles a day working. And Oh, by the way, I'm also running more than I ever have before. And it, it sounds obvious to be like, well, yeah, no wonder your legs are tired, but like, it's easy to lose sight of that, you know, all this walking around in my day life. Like, yeah, that's probably, probably a thing. So again, maybe, maybe an extra day off or two, a um, little bit more sleep, doing some of those types of things will hopefully help. Last but not least, my IT band is getting on my nerves. Any suggestions to help? Um, probably strengthen your core. That's always, that's always my first line of thought when it comes to IT band issues 
is that even though you probably, if, if it's true IT band, you're feeling it on the outside of your knee, a lot of times the, the, the actual cause of that is a weak core and this muscle that runs along the outside of your leg and attaches down into that outside part of your knee um, has to do more of the stability work, which puts more tension on your knee, which causes the pain to, to arrive there. So, um, you know, yes, foam rolling can help foam rolling on your quads and your hamstrings and kind of that area between the, the front of your leg and the side of your leg, uh, can be very, very helpful, but shoring up any weak links in your core, doing some planks, doing some, some of that type of work to get your, your, your low back and your, your abs more engaged, which there's another question coming on that shortly, um, can go a long way towards resolving and ultimately eliminating any type of IT band issues. So between the two of those things, hopefully that'll help. And also, and maybe this ties into the legs being tired, maybe just an extra rest day could help nip some of that in the bud as well. But hopefully, uh, it sounds like you got some aches and pains going on, Candy. Hopefully you can get back to just feeling good and enjoying your runs from your from your toes to your legs to your IT bands ASAP. But thanks for the questions, lady. Uh, next, we got a question from Michael. What is the most exciting marathon you have ever raced? I know you have raced so many to even lose track, but I'd love to hear about what was for you the most thrilling marathon. So, oh man, you know, and it's, it's not, I know I said last week that I kind of lost or last month that I lost track of how many marathons I ran. Um, it's not that I've run so many, it's that I don't keep very good track. Like let's not, let's not kid ourselves, but the most exciting marathon for me, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like. Uh, I, I feel like I could make an argument for a few based on how I want to define exciting, right? Like, like I feel like um, Marine Corps was a really good race for me. Um, it was exciting because the weather was was terrible for the first like 18, 20 miles, just downpour, buckets of rain. Uh, thankfully, not too cold, but like just it was it was chaos. But it was it was exciting, right? Like the forty thousand people or however many people run Marine Corps, um, lots of spectators. Um, even in the, the terrible weather, there were lots of spectators out running through DC, um, little bit of everything. Then the sun came out, lots of crowd support had, had a, a shot of beer, had a shot of fireball, had some donut holes. And then I said, all right, that's enough of that because we're going to have a problem if we don't, uh, if we don't pass on some of these treats over the last few miles. Um, but finished, finished relatively strong, at least as strong as you can going up that hill. And if you ever run Marine Corps, you know exactly what I'm talking about, um, ran into the, the onion fumes at the, when the, the Marines were giving out the medals. Um, I mean, that was, that was a pretty exciting race, exciting day. Had, it was, was there with a few had, was able to meet a bunch of folks pre-race, um, that listened to the show, part of the Facebook group. So that was fun. I mean, that was an exciting weekend. It was a, it was, you know, Rebecca and I took, made a, made a weekend out of it with, with, without Addison. So that was ex- like, there was lots of excitement around that race. Um, you know, the, the, the goofy challenge was an exciting race for me even though I wasn't racing it, but like, you know, it was Disney. So that was fun. I was stopping for photos everywhere. Um, I added to the excitement by forgetting my shoes, which made it interesting. Uh, but like that was, that was a fun weekend and an exciting marathon as well, but for completely different, different reasons. Like I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't really worried about my time at Marine, at Marine Corps either. Um, but just cruising around, stopping for photos. I, I ran with team and training. So that was exciting because, you know, it was, there was, there was that sense of, of camaraderie out on the course when you saw other, other people wearing the purple and there were the coaches and things like that. So that was cool. Um, but like, I kind of feel like, and, and I know this is cliche and, and pr- kind of dodging the question, but like I could make an argument that every marathon had exciting moments to it. Um, you know, some, some certainly were more so exciting than other just from environment and, and situations and things like that. 
Um, but probably the most exciting was, pro- yeah, I mean, it was, if I had to pick one, it would probably be Marine Corps, um, followed by the, the goofy, uh, goofy challenge weekend. Um, but I don't even know, like, I don't even know that I would say that they were that, like, I wasn't that excited, you know, back to Thessa. Like, I wasn't like, like, it was like this major, like, you know, I didn't really celebrate either of them, even though they're both great races, uh, for different reasons, but like, you know, ho-hum, no, not too high, not too low, not too exciting, not too mundane, just, just, you know, good, good, solid events. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my answer, Michael. I don't know if it's a good answer. Probably not, but I uh, appreciate the question. As promised, an engage your core question. Next question from Stephanie. I've heard to engage your core while running, but I have no idea what that actually entails. How does one properly engage their core? Uh, great, great question, Stephanie. And, and something that, yeah, I mean, I'm sure I probably, I mean, shoot, I, I just said it to Candy in the answer to the question without even thinking about it, even though I knew this question was coming. Um, but they're like, I don't think that engage your core while running is something that really you should be doing consciously. Okay. Um, because if you're, if you're thinking about bracing your core, engaging your core, um, tightening up your core muscles, like you're, you're not going to run fluidly. Like your running mechanics are going to suffer. You're going to be kind of almost more stiff, you know, more tin man like with your running form. And that's not good. That doesn't end well. That's, that's asking for trouble. Um, so I think, I think it really comes down to almost like with engaging your glutes or firing your glutes while you run, you can't really do that consciously, but if your glutes are strong, your glutes are going to fire when you're running. And so I think it's the same thing with your core. If your core is strong and you're training your core, it's going to be engaged while you're running. So, you know, mixing in some planks, mixing in some bridge work, mixing in some, some, you know, some hip extensions, some, some bird dogs, some side planks, like, like doing, remembering that your core, it's not just your abs, right? Like it's the whole midsection from abs, obliques on your side, your lower back, kind of even into your glutes a little bit. So if you, if you engage, if you are working those areas regularly, you know, and again, back to Santina's question about not just doing one form of strength training, but kind of getting, being well-rounded, a well-balanced strength training diet means that you need to work your core some as well. That's going to help your core to just like those muscles are, are, have been working, right? Like, like they're, they're the, the neuromuscular connections are there. Um, they're primed. So when you start running and you need some of that core stability, it's going to happen it, it, without even having to think about it. So I feel like that's, that's the secret is to not think about engaging your core. It's to do the work that makes your core strong and stable and, you know, trust that our body and, and our, however many, you know, thousands slash tens of thousands of years of, of running that have gotten us to this point in our human timeline. Um, it'll take over and your core will engage because it will, because it will. So work your core. And then when you go for a run, almost assuredly the engagement will happen. So hopefully that helps Stephanie get, get some core work done. Um, and again, that could be planks. It could be Pilates, a hundred different ways to go about it, but get your core firing and it'll take care of itself on running. Thanks for the question. Uh, next from Martin, I know you run fasted and for the most part I do as well. Typical run is 45 minutes during the week, hour and a half on the long run on the weekend with me about to start a marathon training block. I figure I'll get to a point where I can, where I will need some sort of fuel. In general, what are some signs that one can look for to know that they should start fueling during a run? I've read some guidelines that are to the effect of anything longer than an hour, but nothing that I can find that focuses on physical indicators. So great, great question, Martin. And, and I kind of had to go back in the memory banks a little bit because it's been a while since I've really felt like I needed a boost during a run. Um, 
but I, I think I think it just starts to come like, for me those those in, in in the before times when I definitely wasn't fat adapted and I definitely didn't run fasted, um, or at least I I would run fasted and then struggle as a result of it. Um, it really kind of like, and this is going to be wishy washy because it's not like it's not like it's just because your pace slows down. You need you, like that's not that. It's like the mental fatigue just becomes overwhelming. The mental fog starts to become a thing where it's like, like I can't do math anymore. And, and some of you hope, maybe not you, Martin, but I know some of you don't do math well anyway, you know, that's okay. We still love you. But you know, you start doing that runner math and like, and you're just, I should be able to do this. I should be able to add two plus two. And why, why do I keep coming up with seven? Like that makes no, like, I know that's not right. Like those types of symptoms when like you can't figure out, like I've run this route a thousand times. How come I can't remember how far it is from, from, you know, from here to, to the the car. And you know, you know, it's a mile and a half, but you can't remember what it is. And you can't remember how long is it going to take me to get like, you just, some of those math processes and and things like that start to really go sideways. That's kind of a good indicator that like you're, you're running out of, you're running on fumes and you might need to, to, to add a little something in there. And then as you start to realize that that's happening, then you can start to be like, all right, I probably needed to fuel 20 minutes ago, right? Um, to, to, to stay ahead of it, to stay out in front of it. Um, so, it, you know, going back to, to Rob's question as well, um, a lot of overlap on some of these questions today, which is great. It's going to be a lot of trial and error, Martin. Um, or maybe not a lot, but it's going to be at least a little bit of, all right, you know, you know, you can go an hour and a half, no problem. So can you go two hours? I don't know. Try it. Try it and see as you start to, to climb the ladder a little bit. And when you get to whatever distance it is or whatever duration it is where you start to go, oh yeah, that last, that last 20, 30 minutes was, was rough. And it wasn't rough physically. Maybe it was a little bit rough physically, but it was as, as, as much or more rough mentally. That's a good sign that like, all right, probably should have started fueling. Um, you know, and, and, and maybe it's, I think anything longer than an hour is a bit, if that works for y'all fuel that way. I think that's ridiculous. Um, I think that if you're running easy, especially, you know, two hours, three hours, something like that, probably fine, but your mileage may vary and everybody's, you know, to each their own. And what works for me may certainly probably won't work for everybody. I a hundred percent will work for everybody may not even work for most. Um, but when it comes to fueling, man, it's, it's trial and error. It's, it's figuring out what works best for you, kind of dialing it in. And again, kind of going back to, to Rob's answer as well, but I think it's important to, to re reassert. Start with the most basic fuel. Start with a couple shots of Gatorade or, or something something along those lines um, and see what that does for you. And and maybe that's plenty because you're used to running fasted. You may not need very much um, versus somebody who's more used to having something on their stomach before they run. They, they may, that may not be enough for them. So play with, play with what you're fueling with, play with the quantities, play with the time in between or when you start fueling things like that. Um, and, and, you know, trust what your body's telling you and you'll start to figure out what you need and when you need it. Um, and then don't, don't listen to all the noise about, Oh, you need to, you need to start fueling every, every 45 minutes. Like some, some might, you might not. So, you know, let, let, let you be the, the, the arbiter of when you need to fuel, not me and not anybody else telling you, you don't, you do this. Like, no, you, you, Start with, start with the framework with what you've got, go from there and kind of see how it, see how you feel and let that, let that be the judge. Um, and I know that doesn't give you solid physical indicators, but I don't think there are solid physical indicators. 
I think that some people it's mental, mental, some people it's physical. Um, and you just kind of, kind of figure out what it is for you. So good, good luck. It's a process, hopefully not a messy one. Um, but it, it can be. So maybe do a lot of your trial and error when uh, you've got access to restrooms, just in case, just in case. But thanks for the questions, my friend. Hope things are well up the, up the interstate from me. Um, next we got, uh, it's that time again. It's that time. We need it. We need a sound effect for the Tom trifecta. It's the time for the Tom trifecta. First question from Mr. Rankin. Do you have a favorite Japanese food? No, no, not really. Um, I grew up in a small, small town, Northern Michigan. Um, and there were, there were no Japanese restaurants anywhere nearby. I don't know that there's any now. There certainly weren't any 30 years ago. Uh, so my exposure to Japanese food as a kid was, was zero, none, nada. Um, you know, Rebecca likes, likes her some sushi. I've tried it. It's fine. Like certain, certain roles are, are okay. I guess like I don't get the fascination. Um, feel like we've had her and her family do sushi and I'll go, I'll go with, I'll get the, the, you know, the, the, whatever it is, the, the, the grilled, you know, the cooked food, the, the hibachi grill or whatever. Um, and it's fine. Like I, I like it, but like, to me, I don't feel like that's really that Japanese. Like just because they cook it on the grill in front of me, like it's just, you know, steak or it's chicken or it's whatever shrimp, um, with rice and vegetable, like it's not anything fancy. So, you know, it's fine. I'm sure if I went to Japan, it might be different. Um, but Japanese food here in the States, eh, whatever, it's fine. Do I have a favorite now? Like I wouldn't starve, but I'm not, I'm not choosing to go to the Japanese, Japanese restaurant. That's, that's, that's for sure. That is for sure. I recently ran 10 miles on a treadmill. Question number two from Tom and did not go bonkers. I was out of town on Sunday morning. It was pouring outside and I did not have my rain gear with me. Have I gone over to the other side? I mean, Tom, it's, it's, you're, you're on thin ice, my friend. Like, I wouldn't say that you're, that you've gone over to the other side completely. Cause it doesn't sound like you're chomping at the bit to get on the treadmill next weekend for your long run. Um, but it's a slippery slope, it's a slippery slope. And it sounds like Thessaly is already welcoming you to the dark side. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think there's, I think there's a chance that you're no longer one of us, Tom. I think you're one of them, one of them treadmill runners. Not completely, but you know, tread, tread lightly. My friend, you do not, you do not need to go down that route. You know, just next time, just take the day off. You don't need those 10 miles. Take it off, sleep in, have, have, you know, have a mimosa, call it an extra rest day. Don't, don't dilly dally with that treadmill stuff or you'll, you'll become one of them. And we have one of them in the group. Thessaly is enough. We don't need, we don't need more of, we don't need more people trying to convince all of us that the treadmill is a good thing. It's not, it's not a good thing. I mean, I guess it can be a good thing. Thessaly, but Tom, be careful, my friend, be careful. Last but not least, I recently, recently spent 12 and a half hours on an airplane, 11.5 going home. How does sitting this long in a metal tube affect the body? I mean, it's probably not ideal. Um, clearly it happens every day. People fly all around the, the world. And so, you know, it's, I mean, I don't know, I don't know what the long-term impacts might be. But, uh, you know, I'm sure that, uh, it's probably not great for circulation, probably feel a little bit stiff, you know, stand up a few times, things like that. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, I've never, I've never done that type of a trip before, so I can't, I can't tell you with any firsthand experience. Um, but I would say it's probably sitting, sitting that long metal tube or not, not ideal. Um, so hopefully you're able to get up and stretch the legs and, and walk a little bit, um, and, and stay loose. Um, because, because yeah, like 12 hours of sitting or 11 and a half, not, not, not ideal by any stretch. So thanks for the questions, Tom, as always next, 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 Mr. Walker, our, our friend from the great, great white North asks if I wanted to go through the Dave Matthews band catalog, which album should I start with? <laughs> oh, without being that douchey Dave Matthews band fan, it's like, oh, I mean, they're all great. Um, ah, early days. Start with the early days. Um, not that, that that's not an album title, but like the first, the first three albums and specifically the second and third, like to me, those are, those are like, I don't want to say peak Dave Matthews, but like, like any, like most things that have been around for 30 years, almost goodness. Yeah. They, I mean, almost 30 years, Dave Matthews band has been a thing, probably 30 years, just about. Um, I mean, they've evolved over time, right? Like they've added, they've added members. People have left the band. Uh, the sound has changed. The style has changed a little bit. Um, but for me, like the OG, the, the original members of the band, like that's, that's, I, I like the new stuff. I'm excited. There's a new album coming out. I'm excited for it. Um, I love them live, but like when it comes to albums, it's, it's to a lesser extent, it's under the table and dreaming, which is the first album. Um, or at least like the first major album. There was another album before that actually. Um, but that was like the first like main like label album and there's uh, crash. And then there's before these crowded streets. And like, I think before these crowded streets for me, like that's the pinnacle, like that's the best album. Um, but any of those first three, actually, I guess technically then first four albums are all pretty good. All like the, their classic songs, but they're classic songs. They've been playing them for 30 years. Right. Um, but you really can't go wrong, but I would start, I would start with either crash or before these crowded streets and my biases for before these crowded streets. Or just, or maybe the best bet, maybe the best bet is to go, go to YouTube, check out, um, Chester Copperpot five is the, is the guy's handle. And he uploads and like top notch quality. Some of the, some of them are a little bit sketchier cause they're old, but like full length concerts, live concerts. Um, and I feel like that's the better Dave Matthews band experience in the studio. Album. Studio albums are great. Live performances, that that to me is like next level. So, and if you want to go albums, then you could just go some of their live their live albums, their live tracks albums. Um, that's good stuff. That's good stuff right there. So, I would say instead of looking for an album, just Chester Copperpot Five on YouTube, um, and dive in, dive in, my friend. Uh, next from Brian, what? Uh, I'm sorry. Should strength training taper and it? in a similar fashion to mileage prior to a race. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I still think it's a good idea to kind of go through the motions, just keep your body loose. Um, uh, but if you've been doing, you know, weights, maybe just do body weight. If you've been doing mostly body weight, Pilates, things like that, maybe do shorter workouts, you know, one or two, um, you know, a handful of, of reps, one set only things like that to, to keep, to keep the, some of that movement patterns and keep those, those, those things going. But you definitely don't need the intensity. You don't need max reps or max sets, things like that. Because again, the taper, it's all about recovery, rejuvenation, refreshing. So you're ready to go on race day and hammering out, 
you know, an hour in the gym probably isn't going to do that for you. Right. And, and just like with the tape or just like with the running, it takes a while for the, the adaptations to take place. And so you run the risk of running your, your system down by doing a hard strength workout the week before a race with really no payoff on race day. Cause you're not going to be stronger from that workout until you get to two, three weeks out. So, you know, yeah, you start getting to within, you know, a week, certainly a couple weeks, even, um, I would start pulling back on the strength training, stay in the routine. Yeah, absolutely. Stay in the routine. Um, but drop back on the intensity, drop back on, on all of the, you know, trying to make the gains and save that for after the race, kind of getting back into the groove, getting to, to push yourself a little bit more on the strength front after that. But uh, thanks for the questions, Brian. Next from, uh, from Rick from the land of 10,000 lakes. I'm running four half marathon road races this year. I hate to say that they are only half marathons, but to me, they are only half marathons and I get it. I, and I totally understand the hesitance to say only, but I get it. I get it. Uh, continuing on with the question. I'm as close to injury free as I've been in years. And I want to see if I can PR despite my age. How many of these races can I realistically hope to peak at? Um, Oh man, I hate, I hate to do it, Rick, but I'm, I'm about to y'all get, get ready. Get your drinks ready. It depends. It depends on a few factors. It depends on what's the gap between the races, right? Like if, 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 if everything worked out hunky dory and you had eight to 10 weeks in between each of those races, I mean, you could, you could conceivably, if everything goes well, recovery training, things like that in between races, you could conceivably hammer all of them. I don't know that I would encourage it, but you could conceivably do it. You know, if you had, if you had two or three races in the course of, you know, six weeks, maybe not. Maybe you want to pick one as like definitely the A race. And one of them is more of the fitness test, kind of maybe a training, training situation before, you know, three weeks before the, the, the one that you decide, this is the goal race. Then you've got the one three or four weeks beforehand. Maybe you run that one like comfortably hard, like a tempo workout. You run the first 5k kind of easy as a warm up, and then try to push, push it for the last 10 miles. Um, but ultimately it depends on the gap between races and it depends on how the recovery goes between races. And if, if there's enough time in between races and you're feeling good physically, you know, like you said, you're feeling good right now, which is awesome. Um, you know, run your race, go after it and give yourself time to recover and, and work through any niggles that come up about. And if you're good to go full health, I mean, race it again hard. At least you have the option. You don't have to, but I feel like you have the option. So it could be one, depending on the time scale and how you feel in between them, it could be all four that you could realistically go after. Now, would you be at peak fitness for all four of them? I mean, that could be a trickier needle to thread. But again, if you've got two and a half, three months in between races, you know, depending on timelines and how that all shakes out, you could conceivably be pretty close to, to, you know, peaking. You wouldn't come down all the way down, but like you could, you could ramp up, recover, ramp up again, recover, you know, over the course of, a couple months for sure. So, so yeah, I mean, I think, I think you have a, you in theory have the ability to race all of them hard and be pretty close to peak fitness for, for certainly for more than one, you know, could, could be two, could be three, could be all four, depending on the timeline. So, um, make the most of your only half marathons this year, Rick, and hopefully you run them hard. You train intelligently, you're healthy and strong coming out of this year. And maybe you can get back to doing some of the longer stuff that I know you really enjoy next year and be physically capable of doing it and not breaking down and staying healthy um, and, and chasing some of those longer distances again. So good luck, my friend. And, and most importantly, of course, have fun, you know, push yourself, race hard, but have fun. 
Next, we need another sound effect for this one. It's that time again for the uh, the Gary Joe hat trick of questions. Burn. We need like a, a hockey goal score. We need, the, we need the, the buzzer, the horn from the old Joe Lewis Arena. Burn. Yeah, there you go. If you know, you know. There's a few of you that know. Know what I'm talking about. Anyway, first question from Gary Joe. Do you recommend having more than one pair of shoes to rotate between on running days? I usually run four to six days a week and try to rotate between a couple pairs of Hoka's and a pair of Brooks I picked up and really dig now. Um, I mean, I don't know that I recommend it, but I certainly don't have anything to say against the practice. I think it's, I think it's fine. Um, I think that, um, I think that I don't, I think that I wear the same pair of shoes, um, right now, at least pretty much every, every day. Um, I, I run five days a week, uh, typically, and I wear the same, the same pair Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, so I don't think you have to rotate. I think that this is one of those where it maybe isn't a, isn't quite an it depends, but like if you've got multiple pairs of shoes, you probably extend the shelf life of them by rotating them because you allow them a chance to rebound a little bit afterwards. And also you 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 theoretically take some of the the likelihood, the 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 risk of excess aches and pains because you have shoes that are fresh every day versus shoes that maybe get compressed down if you're wearing the same pair of shoes 2 3 4 days in a row. So so I mean, again, I wouldn't necessarily tell you if you only have one pair of shoes right now to rush out and buy a new pair, but if you've got multiple shoes that have some decent life in them, you'll probably get more life out of them by rotating. So I think it's a, I think it's probably a good idea. I don't think it's mandatory if that, if that, uh, allows me to, to, to sit on both sides of that fence, Gary Joe. Next question on shoes. How many miles do you try to get out of yours before it's time to retire them to yard work or other shenanigans? Uh, and, and I recognize that it depends is also an acceptable answer and contributing to someone's shot in the Diz Runs drinking game. I do need to get that trademarked. You're right. You're right. Um, but I don't think this is a necessarily an it depends. I mean, it, it is kind of an it depends answer, but I, I, I'll give you something better than just a straight up it depends. So I don't know. You either just took three three drinks or you're like, I don't think he really answered with it depends. So I don't have to drink right now. So either you just drank again or you're still not drinking. One, one way or the other, we're going to get through all this. Um, but I think that, that the better metric for how many miles do you get out of your shoes is how do you feel after wearing the shoes? So I don't, I don't worry about the mileage totals on my shoes. I guess, I guess Strava keeps track of it and I keep track of which shoe I'm wearing. Um, so that, that it's somewhat accurate in terms of the mileage totals, but I'm not worried about, Oh gosh, you know, my shoes have 450 miles on them. It's time to find a new, like if they've got 450 miles and I'm not sore, you know, like, like if, it, at a certain point, the shoes break down enough that, yeah, I definitely feel like my knees are a little bit sore. My ankles are a little bit sore. Maybe my hips are, or, you know, there's, there's soreness that like, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't be sore after six miles through the neighborhood with my dog. Like I shouldn't be not that, not that anybody else shouldn't be, but just where I am physically, the effort that goes into that run, I should not be sore after it. And if I start to feel like, God, like I've been a little bit sore for the last week or two, it's like, all right, well, maybe it's time to get some new shoes. So if I start to notice that, that's a sign. If I look down at the shoe and I'm like, there is zero tread left on this bad boy. Like I have literally worn the entire tread off the shoe, which I've done before. Um, then I'm like, all right, probably, probably should demote these to the yard work bin only because you know, like slip, I don't need to slip and slide on, on asphalt when it's wet because there's zero tread left on my shoe, which I've also done that. You know, you step on the paint a little bit and you like slip and it's like, how did that? Whoa, there's no, there's no tread on the shoe. So for me, those, those are the, those are the, the, the qualifiers for new shoes, not mileage, not, Oh, I've had these shoes for a certain amount of time. Like, are there aches and pains after what would normally be a, a non-issue run? 
and and or is there zero tread left or you know have i blown a hole in the shoe somewhere which i've done that before too um you know just just signs of wear because i've got 800 miles on them like like i definitely get seven eight nine hundred miles on shoes on some shoes not on every pair of shoes different shoes different styles different qualities different whatever um but i i am absolutely not one that's like oh 400 miles time to replace them because sometimes yes i've replaced shoes at 200 miles before i've replaced shoes at 900 miles before uh just depends on oh there there it was and that was an actual one sorry y'all uh but it you know it, it really does comes into play it varies, which is a, a not way of saying what I just said. It varies based on the shoe and, and that's okay. That's okay. So, so yes, it does kind of depend. Sorry. Uh, last but not least 50 state marathon challenge. How many have you got in our Kentucky, Tennessee and West Virginia still alive? Um, I am at 10 states plus DC, which I fully recognize. I know geography and I understand that DC is not a state, but I know that some people it's like 50 states plus the DC is a challenge, which I feel like it is for me, but there's 10 states down plus DC. So you can maybe count that as 11. I count it as 10. Uh, I have already run Tennessee, but Kentucky and West Virginia are still open. Um, and I feel like one of those states, I gotta, I gotta bump into my man, Gary Joe, gotta make it happen. Even if we're not racing together, gotta swing, gotta swing by East Tennessee and say hello. Um, George is also still available, which needs to be remedied since I live here now. But um, off, the, off the top of my head, I think I got this all, all set. Um, I've run Florida, South Carolina, North Carolina, Tennessee, Alabama. So I've, I've, I've got Georgia surrounded, but I haven't touched, uh, touched Georgia yet. Run Virginia, also D.C. Um, and then heading, heading west, I've run Missouri, um, Kansas, Idaho, and California. I think that's it. And I've run Florida a dozen times, but that, you know, just once for the state. Um, so that's where we stand. And, uh, like I said, hopefully knocking a couple States, at least one state, maybe a couple off this year. Um, but to be determined, maybe one of these days, maybe, maybe West Virginia. I feel like, I feel like I got a, I got an invite from West Virginia, or at least a, a little seed planted from a certain East Kentuckian not too long ago. So we'll see, we'll see. Maybe, maybe we'll, we'll, you know, thundering herd something, something, something. Anyway, thanks for the questions as always, Gary Joe. Uh, coming down, coming down to the wire. Few questions left. First one from Michaela: What activity aside from running can instantly calm you down? Oh, Michaela, this is a this is a PG slash PG thirteen rated show. What activity can instantly calm me down? I mean, activities that can't be discussed on a PG thirteen rated show. <laughs> um, you know, outside of that. Um, goodness, you ask, ask a question, you know, you never know what you're going to get. Um, outside of that, I mean, you know, like I don't, I don't get too high. I don't get too low. I don't feel like I really need to calm down that often. A run certainly helps other, other extracurriculars certainly help. Um, but probably unsurprising to, to most of you that have been around for a while. Um, you know, putting, putting a little, you know, channel 30 on Sirius XM radio on, or, uh, you know, breaking out the, the new record player that I got, um, and putting a little Dave on like that's We're just chilling. We're just chilling at that, at that point. Um, so that's, that's probably the, the PG slash PG 13 answer is a little bit of, a little bit of Dave Matthews. Um, we start going up in the rating scale. We got, we got some better, we got some better options to calm things down. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm going no farther with that. I've gone far enough. I've gone far enough.
Next question. Santina, did you get the new puppy? Tell us all about it. No, 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 no. I, apparently, I wasn't clear in my email that I sent the other day um, that the timing wasn't quite right for the new puppy, even though the opportunity presented. So uh, we've been we've been low-key. For those that don't read the emails, get on the email list, y'all. Like, the emails are good. The emails, the emails are occasionally good. It's kind of like the podcast. Occasionally, it's good. Um, but uh, we, we've been low-key thinking about getting another dog for a while. Um, even, you know, the last couple of years and it just, you know, it hasn't come together. And thankfully, maybe thankfully with the move, certainly that, that derailed any type of possibility there. Uh, but now that we're settled in the house and, and, you know, it, it's home now and, and our dog, you know, admittedly or, or sadly or whatever, however you want to look at it, she's definitely getting old. Uh, she's slowing down. She's, a, she's a, my running partner. She's Rebecca's running partner. Um, that dog probably gets most every week gets somewhere between 35 and 40 miles a week. Um, and like, she's, she's healthy. Like she's not hurting, but she's slowing down. You know, there, there was a time seven, eight years ago when there was zero chance that you would be leading the dog. Like she's out in front and she wasn't sprinting. She wasn't pulling, but like you started to, to edge up on her and she just picked it up just a little bit. You know, she was that guy. And now like she doesn't lead very much. You know, she's, she's, she, there's, there's times when I like kind of have to like, come on, come on, let's go. Um, so all that to say, I mean, she's old, you know, she's, she's 11, um, still doing well, but her, her 40 mile weeks are probably numbered. Um, and even her six mile days might be numbered. So, you know, there's, there's part of me that's like, Hey, I just, I like dogs. So like, I want to get another dog and be like, you know, I like my running partner dog and I'm not going to have my running partner dog for too much longer. And so, you know, it's time to get in time to get another one. Uh, but we haven't like made preparations to like, you know, start setting aside a little bit of extra money in the budget because like right now we're budgeted for, you know, one dog eating food, one dog vet appointments, one dog flea and tick medication, like one dog scenario. And if you get a second dog, that means you got double all that, right? Plus like we might, we probably would need to get a crate and, you know, depending on dog training, puppy training, things like, like who knows, but you know, like we, we probably in hindsight should have been budgeting for the last several months for a second dog just in case the opportunity presented, which it did present this week, kind of out of nowhere. Um, German short hair puppies that were too adorable. Not that I really wanted another German short hair. Cause that's what Bailey is. But like, I, yeah, would have taken it. Um, but just the timing is just not quite right. So no, we didn't get the new puppy. Um, but we are, we are definitely now making moves to set, set some money aside in the budget get the fence installed, get some of those, those loose ends taken care of that. So that when the next opportunity either presents or when we go out and seek an opportunity, we'll be good to go on, uh, adding, adding to the dog front. So stay tuned. No doubt. We'll, uh, we'll talk about the new dog. Once we get one, um, almost happened, could have happened, but it just wasn't, wasn't quite the right time. And we'll have, there'll be other opportunities, right? There'll be other, other opportunities. So we'll, we'll get another, we'll have, we'll have a, uh, a fifth member to the pack before, hopefully before the pack goes down to three, uh, ho- certainly before long. So thanks for the question, Santina. Um, next, we got a, a trifecta from Carrie. Don't have, don't have Carrie questions very often yet. Here we go. All with the Dave Matthews theme. Um, two of which I don't have a good answer for, but we'll, we'll get there. First one, if you could ask Dave one question, what would it be and why? Actually, I'm going to ask, ask, ask slash answer the first two and one. Uh, number two, if you could hang out with Dave for one day and you got to plan the day, what would you do? 
I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know to either of them, quite frankly, because um, I don't, I don't really do like the the star, starstruck, star treatment, star star things very very much. And I, and I wouldn't be that guy that's like, oh, I'm hanging out with Dave. I just wanted to play music all day. Like, I mean, that would be awesome. Like, let's not kid ourselves. But like, if I'm actually hanging out with him, like, I'm not going to be like, here's a guitar. Could you play me a song? Like, I mean, I would love to, but like, I'm not going to. So like, I don't know what we would do. I don't know what I would ask. Like, I would just like hang out, shoot the breeze. Like, tell me about your, tell me about your kids. Tell me about your family. Like, like what was, what, you know, what's, what's, I don't know. I mean, just, just running life and everything in between, right? Like we just hang out, have, have some coffee, have some drinks, have whatever, just kind of chill. Um, I, I wouldn't be the one that would want to like go do a bunch of stuff. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't need to do all that kind of nonsense. Um, I'm, I'm cool. Just chilling, hanging out, you know, having some, some awkward silence. That's okay. Um, so, so I don't have good answers for you on those two, Carrie. I, I apologize, but I do think I have a decent answer for your third question. Third question. If you could run any race with Dave, what would it be? And why I would run com- comrades with Dave? Cause he is, um, from South Africa. He's a, he's a native South African and comrades, of course, if you don't know about comrades, it's like the race in South, South Africa. Uh, I think it's 50, 55 miles, something like 56 miles, something like that. Um, so I, I would run that with him and just, you know, like, tell me about South Africa. Tell me about your childhood when you lived here, you moved to the States, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I think that, I think that would be a fun one because of the, a, because like, that's a, that, that is one race that I really would kind of like to do. Um, but also like cool to be in South Africa, his home homeland. Um, so I think that'd be fun, right? Like, I think that could, that, that could bring about some, some interesting conversation, but as far as we had a day to hang out, had a question, like, I don't know. I mean, whatever, you know, just, you know, what, like, let's just hang out. Let's just hang out. Um, so sorry, sorry to be kind of a on uh, the questions there, Carrie. Uh, last but not least from Michaela, one more from Michaela. Why might one's knees, one that's much less potentially tiptoeing into the R-rated material, which is good, which is good. Why might one's knees hurt while doing lunges, but not while doing squats or running? So I think it's going to depend. Here we go. It's going to depend again. Um, but, but you know, I think that, that it comes down to the biomechanics of what you're, what you're asking for. And I think that, that the lunges is kind of like the best of both worlds or, or maybe the worst of both worlds in terms of why your knees might hurt and why squats and running, you can kind of maybe get away with it without them, without them hurt. But of course it depends on what's going on. Like, is it, is it arthritis? Is it a tracking issue? Like there's, there's a lot of things that could be, you know, the reason why, and then it just, but, but ultimately it comes down to the biomechanics. So running, yes, there's impact. Yes. It's to, it, I mean, it really running is a single leg activity. You know, you go from one leg to the other leg, to the other leg, to the other leg. Um, but you don't go to do like extreme bending of your knee, right? Like, like when you run, yes, your knee bends, but it's not full depth knee bend, not maximum f- flexion. So you have the, 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 the force of, of being single leg and the, 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 um, the impact forces, but you don't have the depth of knee bend. Squat, you you potentially have the, the depth of the knee bend, but you're not all on one leg or the other because you're, you know, squatting, you're doing, unless you're doing a single leg squat, when I, I would bet that at least with this line of thinking that a single leg squat would irritate you just as much. But with double leg squats, like you're, you're kind of splitting your body weight or whatever other resistance that you're using evenly over both, both sides. So you might get full depth, but you're not getting as much force or resistance or things like that. Lunge, you kind of, you kind of, either gets the best or the worst of both worlds. So that when you go into that lunge, you go into a pretty deep flexion position, but it's also pretty much, 
I mean, yes, you've got your other leg down if something of balance and takes a little bit of weight off, but you're probably doing 85% of the, of the, the resistance, again, body weight, extra weight, whatever. But you got like 80, 85% on one leg into a pretty full depth flexion position. Um, and just like, you know, if, if there's a weak link somewhere that's going to hit, that's going to hit it. And so I got a feeling that's why. So whether it's, again, whether it's an arthritis issue, whether it's a bone on bone issue, which kind of could be arthritis, but not necessarily, whether it's a patella tracking issue, um, whether it's, uh, just an itis in terms of like a tendonitis or something like that. Um, you get into a, a, a lot of, a lot of weight, you know, just again, r- body weight, but you got all your body weight on one leg versus spread out 50, 50 on each leg. You know, you got that with the lunge, you got the, 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 closer to maximum flexion of bending down into that lunge position. And it's kind of a a decent recipe for that to maybe irritate something, hurt something that you can potentially avoid with squatting and splitting the weight between the two sides or with running where you're not having that extreme flexion. So I, I would assume that's why, but with the knee, there's so many moving, well, not necessarily moving parts, but there's so many things going on. So many structures, tendons, ligaments, um, bones, moving bones, rigid bones, rotating bones that there, there could be something else completely. That's a structural issue going on. Um, and then, but again, you get into that movement of that full depth flexion, um, fairly heavily loaded. That's probably what's causing it. So there we go on that, on that note of bio biomechanics and kinesiology. Let's, uh, let's wrap this one up. Shall we? I think, I think that was decent, decent enough. I don't know. As I said at the beginning, you got what you paid for. Uh, but what do you think? You like you like the questions? You like well, more importantly, you like my answers? Something not clear? Something you want a little bit more clarity on? Uh, let me know at Dizruns on Twitter, at Dizruns on Instagram. Of course, you can also send an email, Dizruns at gmail.com. And uh, if you want to head over to the show notes for today, where of course almost all the questions—I think there was one or two questions that I didn't answer in a meme—but uh, all of them, almost all of them, meme or GIF answers to the questions. Um, and of course, maybe there's, I don't even know, there's a couple links there, not too many. Mostly just go to the blog post for the memes and gifs today. But you can also leave a leave a, a comment, leave your feedback on today's episode down in that comment section, disruns.com slash 1129. I'll get you there today. Want to get a question asked and, and ultimately answered in a future Q&A episode? Join the Facebook group, disruns.com slash Facebook. Search for Disruns Tribe on the Book of Faces and uh, come join us. Come hang out with us. It'll be, it'll be a good time, I think. I hope, I hope it's a good time. I think it's a good time. Try to be the best, the best running group on Facebook. We're on our way. We're on our way. Anyway, my voice is going. I can tell. So let's wrap this one up. Y'all, thanks for the time. Thanks for the attention. Thanks for the questions. And uh, maybe hit that share button if you don't mind. I always appreciate when you do that. And until next time, y'all, be well. Take good care. Thanks again for listening. And uh, we'll talk soon, all right? Later, y'all.